You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, this is Annie for Showreel. I hope you're going well as we come out of uh, the COVID uh, strict stay at home. Uh, Today I had the great uh, opportunity to speak to uh, Felicity Abbott, who is a production designer. Uh, Fantastic, not only a fantastic job, but a fantastic conversation, very illuminating. And interestingly enough, we were talking because she's just done the production designing for a uh, a mini series called The Luminaries, which is uh, based on uh, the 2013 Man Booker Prize winning novel The Luminaries, which is uh, based in New Zealand. It's a historical uh, 1860s novel. Anyway, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it immensely, so I'm sharing it with you. Uh, but before we do go on with that, a uh, reminder that uh, this is 3CR's uh, month for asking people to donate to support the station. We would normally do a radiothon at this period, but uh, of course with the COVID that's been curtailed. So if you can, go online 3cr.org.au. Throughout the month of June, 3CR is running a station appeal. We're asking you, the listener, to donate to keep the station going. 3CR relies on the support of our listeners, but we know that many of you are doing it hard. So if you can't, we get it. But if you can, head to 3cr.org.au to make your tax-deductible donation to the 3CR Station Appeal. Uh, We'll go immediately on to our conversation with Felicity Abbott. Uh, it was a great, a great conversation. Enjoyed it immensely. I was incredibly impressed with your uh, CV. What a great job you've got. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when you've got a job, it's great. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Um, let, can I ask you a few things about, uh, indeed, about uh, the process of uh, working on a production? Absolutely. Well, um, I guess the, you know, the first part is obviously reading the script. And uh, everything is informed from that, really. Um, it sort of depends on what stage I'm brought on, but most of the time, you know, sometimes I'm required to do a sort of pitch or presentation in order to, to get a job. Um, sometimes I'm just offered, you know, a film or a project. So each thing is kind of different, but it always starts with research for me. That sort of forms the basis for everything. And uh, the key collaboration really is with the director and the cinematographer. That sort of, you know, that three-way relationship really forms the basis for for visual narrative. And then from then from there, obviously, 
you know, work very closely with a set decorator and, um, you know, a whole art department team in order to bring that vision to life. Uh, it's, it seems extraordinary to me because it's like a living painting, but it goes on for a very long time. Uh, so do you create a set, like a, a set that then gets improved by detail over time? Uh, that's a good that's a good analogy, actually, living, a living painting. I mean, I come from a fine arts background, so I think, you know, that, that uh, process definitely informs my work as a production designer as opposed to one that comes from an architectural background, for example. Um, you know, everything, you know, I draw from, from the general arts, you know, for everything that I do. But I think, you know, there's there's definitely a vision at the beginning of a project, you know, I for me anyway, it's, and I'm sure production designers work in very unique ways. But, you know, I I don't take on a project unless I, I have a vision when I read a script. You know, if I don't respond to it, um, you know, strongly and visually from the outset or after a couple of reads or I don't feel passionate about, passionate about it, then I, I don't generally take the project on. You know, I made a commitment to myself to you know, when I graduated from film school that I wanted to work on projects that I found meaningful with, you know, people that I wanted to work with. And, um, you know, I, I, I strive for excellence. That's the reason I became a production designer. You know, I'm not, not really interested in, you know, just taking a job for, for work's sake. You know, I'm really interested in that creative collaboration that can produce, um, you know, the most amazing results possible. Well, that leads me to the obvious question. You, in your CV, uh, you've got a very strong uh, connection to uh, First Nations uh, productions uh, in Australia, at least. Uh, I know you're from New Zealand originally, uh, so Brand New Day, but also Redfern now, as well as um, uh, there was another one that's pretty important as well. But in Marbo. Marbo, yeah, that's right, Marbo. Um, so uh, that must have been an interesting process. Yeah, look, I mean, I, yes, I was born in New Zealand. You know, I, I'm of um, Māori and European heritage, and I was lucky enough to attend Australian Film and Television School uh, where I studied production design. And, you know, I've worked on some amazing projects, and I would definitely say that, you know, of significant importance in my career to date have been, uh, you know, my relationship, working relationship with Blackfella Films and with Rachel Perkins, director. Uh, and, you know, I first worked with Rachel on A Brand New Day. That was the first feature that I uh, was lucky enough to design in Australia. And, um, you know, from then I was asked to design, you know, Marbo, the the film that was made for, for ABC, um, you know, and I, I know that well, today in the US is Marbo Day. Yesterday in Australia That's was right. Marbo Day, you know significant time for um you know for for indigenous peoples all around the world uh and that was an extraordinary project for me really uh, just so important redfin now as well you know and they're really the highlight of my career you know those um those working relationships and such a privilege to be a part of those and um you know they taught me so much about you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not an Australian. I'm not an Indigenous Australian. You know, I came there in my late 20s to study. But it taught me so much about, you know, those relationships, um, you know, the way, you know, just working on the on the land with the communities, particularly on, you know, Mabo. We were up in far north Queensland. We were for a time in the Torres Straits on there where, you know, Koiki Mabo 
uh, came from. So, yeah, really important projects. And, you know, I, I feel so fortunate to be have been a part of those. And, um, yeah, they really – Blackfellow Films is such an important uh, production company in Australia too, I must say, and it's one of the most respectful uh, creative collaborations I've had um, not just for myself, but just in general in terms of the way that crew are treated, the way that sort of the creative process is treated. It's a really different paradigm than I've experienced with a lot of other production companies that I've worked with around the world. And uh, obviously they do great and significant work. Talking about uh, the practical side of that, uh, how did you, I mean, I'm assuming that uh, with production uh, of this sort, there's uh, um, costumes, there's sets, there's a whole range of things. Uh, I mean, there might be found objects, but how, in that sort of weather and in that isolation, are there special things that you have to consider? Um, yeah, look, it's it's a collaboration between many creatives, obviously, um, but I think first and foremost, you know, everything stems from story. And, you know, designers in the broader sense, production designers, costume designers, uh, you know, they're creating visual narrative. They're creating, you know, the visual environment that is to support the story. Uh, so, you know, I check back constantly with script and story because that has to inform everything. And, um, you know, that 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 work, that research, that craft is what you fall back on, I think, particularly when you enter the, um, you know, the period of principal photography, which is obviously very busy and, uh, it's not where you're doing the research. It's not where you're doing the design. It's where everything is kind of taking place, you know. And I think um, the more preparation you do, the more research you've done, the more conversations you've had, you know, that's when you fall back on craft. You know, I'm such a firm believer in screen craft. You know, as as the just the fundamentals and basis for everything that we do as production designers. You know, those foundations have to be very very strong. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel, and we're talking to production designer Felicity Abbott. Uh, the um, reason for why I'm speaking to you now, besides being lucky enough to get an interview with you, is because of the mini-series called The Luminaries, which you've been uh, working on. Now, that's a mini-series. Uh, it's set on a... a a Man Booker Prize winning author's novel, New Zealand, very important to New Zealand. It's set in the 1860s. Uh, tell me, are there a lot of differences between working on a feature and a miniseries of that sort? Well, look, The, the Luminaries, it was, it's a very important, significant project for New Zealand. Obviously, I, I was incredibly grateful to be invited to be the production designer by Andrew Woodhead of Working Title in the UK. Obviously, it's a BBC, primarily a BBC uh, Television New Zealand co-production. Um, yeah, look, it, it was an enormous project. It absolutely um you know, huge in every way possible. Anyone that's read the novel knows how complex and dense, you know, the characters and the environments are, and certainly adapting it for the screen was no different than that. 
Uh, it was also the first time I've ever worked as a production designer in New Zealand, which, you know, might surprise you <laughs> and in some ways surprises surprises me. I hope it's not the, fir- the last time, first and last time. But, yeah, it was, a, it was an enormous project. And, um, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to do a lot of television in Australia earlier in my career. Uh, I worked a lot with Matchbox Pictures on projects like the 26 part period epic My Place, you know, which was also adapted from um, a children's novel, children's story. And, you know, that really taught me the the fundamentals of period. You know, every episode in that went 10 years back in the past. And, uh, you know, I, I love period for the ability to research and create the world. You know, I think it's um, it's something, you know, you can really build on as a production designer. And uh, it's one of the things that attracted me to the Luminary story. But television is really complex. You know, I, uh, to, for me personally, I find it much more difficult than designing a feature. You know, oftentimes you're working with multiple directors. Um, you've got scripts that are in multiple stages of pre-principal um, photography and post-production. And, you know, as, as an art department, it puts particular demands on the art department. And, you know, as a production designer, you have to balance often the, you know, competing demands, but also sensibilities of different directors, which is another thing entirely. I mean, in the case of The Luminaries, it was directed by uh, an Australian woman, Claire McCarthy, and... Um, and the cinematographer was one of my fellow classmates and also fellow New Zealander, Denson Baker, who, who also spent a period growing up in Australia. So, you know, it was an important relationship for all of us. And um, I've, I'd worked with Denson on quite a few previous projects. So, you know, we spent a lot of time, even before we got to actual official pre-production, just, um, you know, in our own time. And we were all based in Los Angeles, you know, before we were hired. And we spent a lot of time just talking about the story, you know, really just sitting around a table for weeks and weeks and weeks, just talking about ideas, you know, showing references. Um, you know, we, we actually put a pitch together to the to working title on the BBC, which was what got us the project. But, you know, all that work, um, all that preparation and then all the research that followed that, you know, leading into a very lengthy pre-production period, you know, I think it really served us well because it was an incredibly challenging and difficult project, uh, mainly because, you know, unlike the UK and the US, you know, New Zealand is not full of historically accurate locations. You know, there's very little architecture of um, of the period. There are no period-correct boats or, um, you know, very little in the way of resources. So uh, we actually built over a period of about nine months uh, 96 sets from scratch that were all, you know, constructed, painted, decorated in their entirety. Entirety, And, you know, that included, um, you know, an entire town of uh, Hokitika, which is a West Coast town of the South Island. We had to recreate that out of Auckland on a private farm, you know, and just the for that set alone, which contained, you know, some 40-odd sort of buildings within it and structures, you know, that, that alone was about a sort of, three and a half month build you know the the landscape had to be sort of completely cleared roads had to be put in enormous job you know and that was just one one of our sort of key um environments you know we also had to do the same for Dunedin and then you know every every set had an interior so yeah it was an incredible challenge um with a lot of difficulties and obstacles but I must say you know one of the greatest creative experiences I've had to date.
despite the challenges. It sounds amazing. Are they still there, I presume, these structures? Uh, well, unfortunately, you know, at the end of filming, most of it is dismantled and recycled. And um, But the, the, the dwellings on the farm, because it was private property, I believe some of them are still there. Oh, that's just extraordinary, because one of the things I was going to ask you, which is sort of a puny question, really, uh, when you're trying to do something, anything, and one is trying to do anything, the best approach is to try and reduce the complexities, uh, but obvious, uh, reduce the complexities so that they're in a manageable form, one assumes, and that's what those conversations were all about, but... Uh, it seemed, what was the timeline? How long did this all take? Uh, well, I was on the project probably from May 2018 until uh, April 2019. So about so, a year? Yeah, over a year. Um, you know, and I, I, I mean, obviously every project is different. This was, this had very unique demands for the art department simply and purely because we created the entire world, you know, with the exception of, I think there were um, two locations that were part of the Historic Houses Trust, New Zealand Historic Houses Trust, that we actually filmed in. Um, the rest was actually completely created from scratch. So, you know, I mean, and, and that's a very demanding thing to take on as a production designer, as an art department. I mean, I fortunately had, you know, a team of extraordinary people many art directors, assistant art directors, set designers, um, you know, scenic artists, painters, plasterers, you know, some 170-odd people over that sort of period. And, you know, you really need a different kind of stamina, I think, in television. I mean, filmmaking is certainly challenging. Every project is challenging. But this was such a long project and it was just, it never, it was unrelenting. It just sort of from the moment we started until the moment it was finished, it was just full speed all the time, seven days a week. It's very exciting, it seems to me. I mean, you, you were the production uh, designer on Moulin Rouge, is that right? No, I was just one of many thousands and I was actually in the costume department on that. That was um, just after I graduated from film school, I was a costume art finisher. Ah, so there's a process towards getting your ability to take charge of the whole production. Uh, yes, I mean, I th there is definitely a process, whether you train on the job or you train, you know, upwards through the job itself or you, you know, train formally in an institution as I did. Um, you know, I was very, I guess I was very clear and very determined when I graduated that, you know, I, I wanted to be a production designer. There was never any doubt in my mind. Um, and I think also because, you know, I, I'd i sort of spent, I'd done a couple of features as an unpaid intern in New Zealand. You know, I tried to sort of acquire as much knowledge as I could about the job and then discovered there was nowhere to formally train in New Zealand, which led me to apply to, you know, afters in Australia. And, you know, I mean, I have done a couple of jobs as art director, um, you know, a lot of commercials, various other things, but I started pretty early just designing. You know, I um, had a period of a lot of collaboration with Cordelia Beresford, who I, uh, you know, spent time, co we sort of co-joint our thesis together and on the relationship between production design and cinematography, and we spent 
you know, a good year just in that investigation and in, in our master, the honours year of our master's programme, um, just exploring in a studio environment, you know, uh, on a specific project, testing different stocks and processes and really uh, analysing the effects of uh, colour and texture on various, you know, um, stock and product, um, well, ob- objects and Phil. fabrics and stuff like that, are you saying? Yeah, exactly. And this was shot on film. This was an exercise on 35 millimeter film because at that stage we were sort of transitioning from film into digital at the film school. And, you know, that really, that's really the basis of so much of my knowledge as a production designer. You know, it was really a kind of pseudo scientific exploration into the effects of color and texture, you know, from lighting and different film stocks and different film processes. And it, it does hold true a lot to, you know, now that I'm working in major, majorly sort of digital environment, you know, a lot of those lessons, uh, a lot of that knowledge that I have from that time, um, you know, I still use that to the, to this day, particularly that kind of the, the analysis and the process and the, you know, so important for production designers to be involved in, uh, you know, the, what the camera sees, understanding lenses, aspect ratio, ratios, uh, you know, uh, LUTs, how things are, how things are going to kind of end up, you know, it's so, so important to be part of that dialogue and, you know, I was very fortunate to be, you know, under the guidance of the great Stephen Curtis when I was at Afters, uh, who's a great designer and design educator in his own right. And, um, you know, he really instilled in us the importance of um, being part of that dialogue and really sort of, um, you know, really protecting the craft, really really sort of developing and protecting the craft of the art department within that, within that sort of culture. You, what role did you play on Upgrade? Which I think is a great film. Thank you. That was a great. That was a great experience. I was the production designer on that. I um, was lucky enough to work at Dockland Studios in Melbourne. That was my first first time working in Melbourne. I loved it uh, with the wonderful Lee Winnell, expat Melbourneian, now Los Angeles based. Look, that was another very challenging project, but um, it was really great. I mean, I was so thrilled to to be. Um, to have that job as production designer because, you know, as I said to Lee, you know, it's it's not often that, um, you know, women sometimes, sometimes don't often get those roles, you know, in science fiction and sort of action genre. And, you know, I'd always wanted to design a, a sci-fi film because I love sci-fi. And, you know, I've done so much of different periods, you know, everything back to 1780 uh, in Australia. And it was just, it was really wonderful to you know, to take on the future, you know, because, I mean, for me, it's no different. It's it's still well, it's world building, you know, it's where you get to build the world at a kind of cellular level. And Lee was great, you know, he's a real, he's very generous in his collaboration. Um, I spent a lot of time with him just talking about the script and, you know, we, we modified a few ideas together, um, you know, just in terms of building the world and the key sets that we had to design uh, for that film, but I really loved it. I just, I, I really would like the opportunity to do more science fiction and um, in that kind of genre. It was really exciting. Oh, it was a very strong film. I, I thought that was a classic. That It's a classic film. Uh, the uh, Nick, You've said many times in this interview, and it's a true, part of the attraction is actually creating a world. You create a world running alongside the world that you're actually living in. That must be quite interesting. Look, it's it's fascinating to me. I think, you know, obviously the production designer is the head of the art department and the art department, you know, are numerous 
you know, they comprise of incredible, incredibly skilled, you know, artisans, craftspeople, and uh, you know, they all make up the world. You know, they all contribute to that. You know, but there has to be a strong vision, otherwise, you know, it, it's a, a visual language. Design is a visual language. You know, if you're not speaking the right language, then people won't understand you. It's no different than speaking any other language. So, you know, I'm a firm believer that you know, that has to really be developed very, you know, cohesively in conjunction with the director primarily and then, you know, with the cinematographer once they they come on board. Uh, but it's really, you know, it's the role of a production designer to sort of drive that through the process, particularly when, when at times it becomes very difficult and it does on every job. You know, there are so many competing demands in terms of schedule and, you know, you never have an, enough resources. Well, you know, I've never... I've never worked on anything that you could just throw money at, uh, you know. And in some ways, I'm I'm glad for that because I think it makes you resourceful and resilient. And you know, you really have to focus on what the ideas are and what the craft is and what the best way to do things, what the best way, most sort of resourceful way to to make design decisions are for the benefit of the the narrative. You know, and I think working at a lower budget level has really taught me a lot. You know, at a certain point, it just gets exhausting and you know, that was one of the reasons I sort of, you know, moved to the US a couple of years ago just to sort of explore other things. But, you know, I think one of the great things about Australian and New Zealand filmmakers are that, you know, we come from a background where, you know, we're multi-skilled, we're very resourceful, uh, we have great training, you know, Australian creatives are, have a really good, a very good reputation around the world. And, um, you know, I think that's a that's a good thing. But, but at the same time, you know, you, we do need more opportunities. You know, you, you do get to a point where you need different opportunities and, you know, it's a competitive culture and, and um, you know, I'd like to think at some stage that there won't be a need to bring, you know, American creatives in to Australia and New Zealand from the US because, you know, that talent is being fostered there. And, you know, but international experience is also a good thing because we're part of an, a global industry. And, and uh, before I let you go, because... It has to end at some stage. Um, I wanted your opinion. I, I just wondered what you thought, because I, I saw the film uh, Green Book. The uh, level of production design in Green Book, to me, was flabbergasting. And I was wondering if you'd seen it and if you thought the same. Yes, I, I have. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's um, a really good example of... Um, you know, character building, the kind of character building and level of detail that the art department, you know, the production design, the set decoration and the art department in general create to serve a story, you know, had a real sense of authenticity to me, which is the way I certainly approach period as a production designer. Uh, you know, it's not so much about historical accuracy, although that's important to a degree, but, you know, it really needs to be authentic. It needs You need to sort of feel and smell and, you know, imagine those environments as if you're actually there and you're participating, you know, and that's the kind of authenticity that I think good production design brings to a project. Thank you for uh, talking to me. Thank you so much, Annie. It's a great pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. It was absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to hopefully be exploring the uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival that's coming up. Uh, but uh, until then, don't forget to donate, 3cr.org.au, to keep us on flying air. high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. 
drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. Fly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean? Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. Send out the pine, you know how I feel. Oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.